Hello, hello, hello once again, my fellow humans, and thank you for joining me for episode two of ASM Murder. This week, Little Lord Fauntleroy. Initially, before I found this tragic murder in a list of unsolved murders, my first thought was that this was going to be a medieval times murder. No, not a murder at medieval times of the restaurant. A murder that took place during the medieval times. It was the Lord in the name that did it, of course. After reading further into it, however, I found that this was the incredible and sad story of the murder of an unidentified child. A child that the media and surrounding community came to call Little Lord Fauntleroy. Welcome to ASM Murder, a true crime podcast with an ASMR twist. In each episode, we tackle a real-life murder case and unpack all the deadly details. So come on down, bring the kids, we have hors d'oeuvres and balloons for grandma. I am your host, The Gru, and this is the Little Lord Fauntleroy Murder. Content warning. This episode contains graphic content not suitable for some audiences with mentioned and or descriptions of crime scenes and graphic violence. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Just over a hundred years ago, the body of a young boy was discovered in Waukesha, Wisconsin. He was submerged underwater in a quarry. No one around town knew who this boy was or what his young life was like before its tragic end. The boy had shaggy blonde hair and brown eyes. He was wearing a striped romper, an expensive sweater, black stockings, and patent leather shoes. His outfit led many to think that he came from an upper-class background. Because of his dapper outfit and the fact that the boy's identity remained a mystery, the papers dubbed him Little Lord Fauntleroy. But who was this little boy and what were the circumstances surrounding his death? Before we get deeper into the actual case, let's talk about the famous character this case is named after. Little Lord Fauntleroy is a novel by Francis Hodgson Burnett. Published in the 1880s, the story centered around a young boy going from rags to riches. One of the most influential aspects of that book character was the way he looked. His distinct style impacted early 20th century fashion. Little boys of a certain societal stature were dressing in the character's signature style all over the country. Called the Fauntleroy suit, the outfit, and the young boy who donned it were described as a graceful, childish figure in a black velvet suit, with a lace collar and with love locks waving about the handsome, manly little face, whose eyes met with a look of innocent good fellowship. In addition to the book, several movies were made about the character, which means the character's image was very familiar to the American audience. A movie based on the book was released in 1914 in Great Britain, and in 1921 an American film was released. That same year, 1921, the body of a little boy dressed in the signature style would be found dead. On March 8, 1921, a man named John Burlick was working at his job at the O'Loughlin Stone Company. While out near the quarry pond, he noticed something disturbing the water. When he ventured closer, he saw the lifeless body of a little boy. 
he immediately contacted the Waukesha County Sheriff Clarence Keebler. The sheriff recruited the county coroner L.F. Lee and headed to the pond. Waukesha is a modest Midwestern town located about 20 miles west of Milwaukee. The Milwaukee Police Department helped the county officers search the area and look for any clues that might help them with the case. Unfortunately, authorities were not able to dig up any sort of clues that would help them identify who the boy was or the events surrounding his death. His body had not decayed fully and he still had distinguishable features. He is thought to be between the ages of 5 and 7. At the beginning of the case, the report suggested that he had been dead anywhere between a few days and six months. Since technology has advanced, it is now believed that he was in the quarry for no more than a few weeks. But the police were at a loss. The coroner, however, did find a gash on the back of the boy's head, leading them to believe he was struck by an object and killed, and then the body was disposed of in the pond. The lack of water in the boy's lungs also support that claim. But who would strike and kill a young boy? And why was no one looking for a missing boy that matched his description? A picture of the boy appeared in newspapers all around the Midwest. They even opened up the morgue to allow people to see the body in person in hopes that someone would recognize him or claim him as their family member or friend. Hundreds filed through the morgue and not a single person recognized the child. Does this mean that the boy was not from the area? Were his murderers passing through and just disposed of the body in a random pond along their journey? Several authorities offered a $250 reward for information on the case that would lead to the identification of the murderer. Citizens of Waukesha also lent a hand by offering rewards for information. A quarry worker named Mike Coker told the police that he had seen a woman by the pond that February. She was wearing a red sweater and supposedly asked him if he had seen a little boy. He claimed the woman was joined by a man. The pair walked around the pond before driving away in their car. It was believed that the pair left the boy unattended, which led to him drowning in the pond. This theory was dismissed, however, when drowning was ruled out as the cause of death. However, another rumor started that suggested the woman in the red sweater may have killed herself in that same pond. This led police to do another search of the pond, looking for the body of a young woman. They dragged the pond and set off explosives as tactics to draw a potential corpse to the surface. But nothing was found. The owner of the Liberty Department store came forward claiming the clothes worn by the boy came from his store. He believed the clothes were purchased in January during a sale, which implies the murder happened within two months of the discovery of the body. A man named J.B. Belson then came forward claiming the boy was his nephew. He told police his sister's children had been kidnapped by her ex-husband. The ex-husband threatened to kill the children on several occasions, which prompted J.B. Belson to worry the boy was found in the quarry pond could be one of his sister's kids. But upon police investigation, the boys were found safe in another state. In 1949, Dr. E.L. Theringer, a Milwaukee medical examiner, thought the boy might be Homer LeMay. Homer had disappeared around the same time. The boy's father, Edmund LeMay, was questioned by police about his son's disappearance, but he claimed his son was left with a Chicago couple in 1921. The Nortons, according to LeMay, took off to Argentina with the child and sadly sent him a newspaper clipping sharing news that the boy had died tragically in a car accident. 
A policeman even visited Argentina to corroborate the story, but found no evidence of the Nortons or anything else that validated those claims. This part of the story grows stranger, however. Edmund LeMay had been married multiple times. His first wife described him as a vicious and violent person who had threatened her life on more than one occasion. His second wife and the mother to his son went missing and to this day has still never been found and no further evidence of her disappearance has been discovered. Police later accused Edmund of falsifying his wife's signature, who had already gone missing during that time. Despite the accusations, he was found not guilty of any crimes and his wife and son were never found. That same year of 1949, Dr. Theringer made a press release suggesting an exhumation of the boy, but ultimately left the decision up to Sheriff Leslie P. Rock teacher and coroner Alvin Johnson. Both decided that the boy should be left in peace and no further examination or disturbances are to be made. The missing boy's remains are buried in Prairie Home Cemetery in Wakasha. He was placed in a white casket an unknown person marked our darling on the lid of his coffin before he was lowered into the dirt. A woman named Minnie Conrad had organized the funeral and helped raise funds to pay for the little boy's burial site. The entire town came together to mourn the loss of an unknown child. His tombstone reads, Unknown boy found in O'Laughlin Quarry, Wakasha, Wisconsin, March 8, 1921. Who was this little boy and how did nobody come forward about the disappearance? Was he murdered by his parents? Was his death a complete accident? It seems strange that no one in the greater Milwaukee area would recognize him or know someone who reported a missing child. Does this strengthen the theory that the young boy was not from the area at all? Did his drawing and description make it to the newspapers in Chicago or any of the other larger areas in the Midwest? Unfortunately, we will most likely never know the answer to these questions. It is always hard to talk about the death of a child. The case is even more heartbreaking considering the boy remained unknown and unclaimed. He was abandoned and alone. While the people of Waukesha came together and honored him, the fact that he was dealt such a tragic hand at a young age is truly devastating. More than 340,000 kids went missing in America in the year 2020. Around 5,000 children are kidnapped every year. While a majority of these missing children are found, some meet tragic ends. The boy dubbed Little Lord Fauntleroy will go down in history as one of the most mysterious missing children's cases. After a hundred years, the case of Little Lord Fauntleroy remains unsolved. Well, 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 my fellow humans, another episode has come and gone. An emotional journey to be sure, but one that I am so glad you could join me on. That is it for me. I want to thank you all for joining me as we explored the Little Lord Fauntleroy murder. I drop new episodes each week on Monday, and you can find those episodes on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast fix. If you want to support the show and help me keep the lights on in the place, you can do so at my website, www.murderpod.net. That's M-U-R-D-E-R-P-O-D dot net. I'll leave a link in the description. Until next time, be kind to yourselves, be good to each other.